When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Total Soccer Show's Big Thing, the show where we dig into the biggest news stories in the beautiful game. Today, we're heading to Liverpool to discuss a team delivering well below expectation this season. Not Liverpool, the other one, Everton. With 20 games played, the Toffees are joint bottom of the league, and on Monday, after a defeat at West Ham, Frank Lampard was relieved of his duties as manager. The following day, it was reported the club was for sale, a claim that owner Farah Bashiri has since denied. So, what's going on at Everton? Who's going to replace Lampard? Will the club be sold? And will it be a Premier League going concern next season? My name's Ryan Bailey. Joining me today, a man approximately 220 miles away from Goodison Park right now, but probably feeling a lot of the hot air coming from the area. Graham Ruthven, hello. Hello, Ryan Bailey. Yes, there is a lot of hot air coming from Merseyside at the moment. As you mentioned, not just from Liverpool. They're not having a great season either. But I think it's... uh, it's kind of just the way of things in the northwest of, of England and English soccer that even when Liverpool are having a poor season, Everton must have must be having an even poorer season and it has been a wild week for them. So we thought this would be a good time to ask Everton, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that we could very much expand upon that because they are do, lo- doing everything and nothing at the same time, it seems, Graham. So we'll expand <laughs> upon that. But to start off with Everton as a club, Graham. 119 Mm. top flight seasons behind them. They were last relegated from the top flight in 1954. Only Arsenal has been at the top longer. And it's kind of odd because they're one of those teams who, for me, have always been like middle of the pack teams. Many years ago, it was Aston Villa before they sort of weren't. But there's, there's always that team that you don't have to worry about them. They're always in the middle somewhere. They're just Everton. They're always, I don't want to say making up the numbers. That's a bit rude, but they are a reliable... Part of furniture, that's a good way of phrasing it, yes. And they've gone from that to, from not standing out in any way, to very much standing out for the wrong reasons. So the fans who may have been feeling a bit like, oh, we're a bit muddling in the middle of the road, we want a bit more excitement. Oh, here comes a new owner. Oh, here comes we're spending lots of money. This is going to be great. Things are going to turn for us. Maybe they are wishing they had stayed undysfunctional and middle of the pack. Yeah, so I think a lot of the discussion around Everton, we're probably going to use this word identity quite a lot today. And I think that is at the core of the issue for Everton. Everton, You're right, they have been part of the furniture in the Premier League for a long time. I also think of them or thought of them in the same way I thought of Aston Villa. And then going back maybe 15 years, also Tottenham Hotspur. I know Tottenham Hotspur have, have taken massive strides forward, but I, I, I kind of put Everton, Tottenham and Villa in, in the same category when I was I was growing up in, yeah. in the kind of first 10 years of the Premier League era. Yeah. And from there, Everton, as you mentioned, have got the, this billionaire owner, Farhad Mashiri, 
and and they kind of dreamt and were made to dream of, I guess, kind of following the Tottenham Hotspur trajectory and becoming a big six club or making it a big seven or, or, or whatever. But there hasn't been any strategy behind that at all. The identity of the club is just now so blurred that I don't believe anyone at Everton knows what that club stands for. And then that leads to concerns and, and problems when appointing managers and signing players and putting a team on the pitch and even things like the stadium construction, which I think we'll, we'll mention more than once in this discussion, that is tied into the identity of, of Everton. And I, I, maybe have, I, I maybe hold Everton closer to my heart than most Premier League teams because I've got a close friend who's an Everton fan. I've been to Goodison a number of times and we spoke about last week on one of the Patreon episodes some of the best stadiums we'd been to and I mentioned Goodison Park and one of the reasons that I love Goodison Park is you can feel the identity of, of Everton in that stadium and it's one of the last few things you can say that about Everton so if they leave Goodison Park in a couple of years to go to this new stadium I do I really wonder and I'm worried for Everton that that identity that community is just going to be eradicated completely yeah maybe this, this is a discussion to have about stadiums in general actually Graham because there has been this move over the last few decades of traditional particularly in England maybe in in, in context of Europe and Spain for example as well traditional stadiums being replaced by generic bowls uh, I think we first saw this in sort of the 90s with Derby and Middlesbrough, where it had these oh, yeah. very similar-looking bowls. Leicester is an example, going to the King Power, like less than a mile away from Filbert Street, which had a lot of soul and identity as well. And there's a way of moving to a new stadium. I suppose Arsenal, we could say the same thing, going from Highbury to the Emirates in the early 2000s. There's a way where you can take your identity with you and you can push on, and there's a way where it can take your soul away a little bit. And I worry... Well, I think Everton fans will worry that they're heading in the latter direction. And when you look at several of the Premier League teams that have moved to new stadiums, there have been struggles almost immediately after that. So Arsenal have had that long period and have only really recovered this season from from that from that period after moving to the Emirates. Spurs have had similar struggles. Now there, it's related, I think, certainly in Arsenal's case to the re, the repayments for the construction of of the stadium and I'm actually a little bit unclear on on what those repayments will be for Everton I believe their new stadium is going to cost around 750 million pounds and Fahad Mashiri when I watched an interview with him this week where there was a lot of mixed messages from him on over what is happening at Everton right now the point he kept coming back to was that's a fixed price that's a fixed price it's going to be 750 million which sounded kind of like he was trying to convince himself that that price is not going to rise uh, any further over the next few years oh honey oh honey have you, have you never seen a stadium being built before come on yeah and with high inflation rates at, at, at the moment interest rates sorry at, at the moment yeah i think that could be a one billion pound stadium by the time that is finished Ugh. i have to say that the plans for the, the new stadium at Branley moor dock they look they look incredible as in terms of modern stadiums it is eye-catching they're actually filling in a dock on 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 the mersey and building a stadium on top of it and then i think the idea is there's going to be a lot of re- regeneration around that new stadium so it it does look pretty cool it's also pretty close to goodison park itself which i think is is an important thing they're still going to have the same community so it's not like west ham uprooting their fans from the bowling ground in Upton Park all the way out to where is that Stratford is that the name of where that's yeah which is is not really I mean I don't know London that well that's not that close is it Ryan that's quite it's quite kind of far away from where they used to be well it's a couple miles which in London terms is a lot that's about two hours in a taxi (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
Yeah, so let's hope that it works out for Everton. As I say, I, I, I do have a little bit of affection for them as, as a club, so I don't like to see them struggling. But yeah, as we will now cover in depth, they are in a bad way at the moment. They are indeed. So why don't we start off um, with Frank Lampard then, Graham. Fired after his ninth loss in 12 Premier League games. Uh, I heard a good stat. I think it was on The Guardian. They said that um, Liz Truss was prime minister last time Everton won a game which is oh, wow. <laughs> kind of amazing. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's been a World Cup since then as well, but still. I mean, Lampard's been in charge almost exactly a year. He replaced uh, Rafa Benitez, of course, last January. He's had 38 games in charge. He's had a full season effectively in charge. So what happened? Well, I suppose I could ask you if it's the right thing to do at this point. Maybe it was the right thing to do before the World Cup because Everton being joint bottom at the moment, you'd think... If you're going to get in someone like Bielsa or someone like who we can talk about later, you don't want to bring them in at this point. You should have maybe ripped that Band-Aid off a month or so ago. Perhaps in hindsight, but I do have some sympathy because I'm just looking through Everton's fixtures here before the World Cup break. So a little bit before the World Cup break, break actually. In late August and into September... Everton's form wasn't terrible. In fact, they, they started off the season pretty poorly. They started off with two straight defeats. But then they went on a run of one, two, three, four, five, six, they, seven matches unbeaten in the Premier League, and they won three of those. And I remember there was a, there was a narrative of F- Lampard is getting the foundations in place, and it's just about turning more of those draws in, into wins. And a lot of that was based around the midfield. He found this decent midfield three of Iwobi, Anana, and Adrisagana Gay. And that felt like something to build around. So I do have some sympathy in that if he'd been sacked during the World Cup break, I mean, I wouldn't have been too shocked because just fundamentally, I'm not convinced Frank Lampard is a great manager. But in terms of the the, the timing, it, it might have felt a little bit harsh. But since the World Cup, it has been a disaster for Everton. They, they are on an incredibly bad run at the moment. As you mentioned, they haven't won a league game since mid-October. That's a run of eight games and they've lost six of them. They've drawn the other two. And that has been enough to drag them into the thick of the relegation battle. And they are currently second bottom of the Premier League, above Southampton, only on goal difference. And I watched Everton against West Ham last weekend. I think we talked about it on, on the weekend review. And they were extremely, extremely bad. And that was that was against an out-of-form West Ham team as well. Yeah. The defence was shaky. Their, defi- their decision-making excuse me, was poor. They had loads of the ball, but they did next to nothing with it. And we spoke about, again, we spoke about this on the weekend review, Lampard never demonstrated that he knew how to set up a team in an attacking sense. And in his last interview as Everton manager, he was asked how he would get his team to translate possession into chances. And he said it was up to the players to work that out. I'm afraid that just doesn't cut it in, in, in the modern game. So I, I just think Frank Lampard, he'd been, he'd been living on borrowed time for a while. Last season, there were questions about him. Even as he saved Everton from relegation, it seemed to largely be down to Richarlison. Although, although having said that, he, he did seem to find out something about himself in the last month or two of the season where he set Everton up to be a compact team and play in the counter, and he had some success in that regard. But Lampard, we talk about Everton's identity crisis. Lampard as a manager has a bit of an identity crisis because he clearly sees himself as an expansive modern manager, and he just doesn't have the coaching chops for that. So Everton have loads of problems. There's lots going on at that club at the moment but Lampard was probably one of the easiest to fix. There are countless better managers out there. Right. So do you think Lampard gets another Premier League job then, Graham? Because as you say, he does perhaps perceive himself one way. Maybe 
maybe one of his greatest strengths or something that's been said previously about him is his man management skills. He, mm. he can he can get something out of a player individually, but maybe doesn't have quite that cohesion required to be the expansive manager that he may believe he is. And you can be a relatively successful manager, even at Premier League level, by being a man manager. I mean, I know things fell apart in the last season comically so for, for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at Manchester United, but for a couple seasons... Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was doing okay at Manchester United just through being a, a likable guy in the dressing room and bringing that team team together. And Lampard at his best has that capability. But that's there's there's been a there's been two or three spells now, long spells, long stretches of matches for Lampard both at Chelsea and Everton now, where he is he himself has become a misery guts. So if he's not if he's not a tactician. And he's not uplifting people. He's not united that united that dressing room, and he's and he's picking fights with the fans. He's not really doing much in a man management sense either. He can't even be a good vibes manager in the way that Solskjaer was was at times, or the way An- Ancelotti is at times. So at, at this moment, I think Frank Lampard maybe he does get another Premier League job because he's Frank Lampard. He's one he's one of the most iconic players of his generation certainly English players so maybe there is uh, another Premier League chairman out there ready to be wooed by by a celebrity essentially and give Frank (laughs) Lampard a job I think Frank Lampard needs to drop down the divisions again and go to even mid-table championship lower level championship and put in the coaching hours that he never got at Derby at Derby should have been a job for two or three seasons for him where he would learn that stuff and then make the step up I think he was fast-tracked through his, his managerial career career too quickly where he went to Chelsea for one year and the troubles he's had since then have reflected that it's interesting I was thinking his dad Frank Lampard, Frank Lampard senior was conveyed as a successful assistant manager throughout his career I don't think he ever made the step up to be a full manager certainly not on the big stage and he was an assistant to Frank Lampard's uncle, uh, who has had a more established career in management, obviously, than Frank what Lampard family. has. What a family <laughs> indeed. What a family indeed. But I wonder if maybe even an assistant role would be better for him if he is this man management kind of guy. Maybe he does need to be the wingman to more of a tactician in, if, if he is to get back into the Premier League. I think that's a good idea. I would I would very much advocate that for, for Frank Lampard. The, the problem is... And this isn't just a Frank Lampard problem. I would say it's similar with Steven Gerrard. I think Steven Gerrard similarly needs those coaching hours, those 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 seasons at maybe a lower level. His situation is slightly different in that he had Michael Beale to do a lot of that stuff and he's since left and Gerrard was kind of left exposed in that regard. But the two are in the same situation. I think they they maybe need to put the the hard yards in at a lower level to, to, to learn um, essentially how to coach and set up a team. And an assistant manager role would b- do them both the world of good, but these these players have egos, and of course they do. That's just that's just natural, having been at the top of the sport for over a decade as as players. And and I just don't see them making taking that step down, unless maybe it was, you know, Jose Mourinho. I don't know what the personal relationship is between Lampard and Jose Mourinho now, but if, if Mourinho was to get a big job somewhere in Europe, Lampard might be. In a similar way to Thierry Henry was a manager, then he went into an assistant manager's job at, in, 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 with Belgium. You know, that's that's a big job. So maybe mm. M- Mourinho taking Lampard under his wings and teaching him some of the poop housery would do Lampard well. I like that. Let's get let's get Lampard to Rome. Let's do it. I'll, uh, I'll show him the ropes. I'll show him where the Harbrook Cafe is. Let's uh, take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about who's next for Everton in terms of the managerial hot seat. Back shortly. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Total Soccer Show, welcome back to our big thing discussion of all things Everton. Graham, uh, as we record, uh, there is no permanent manager replacement for Frank Lampard, but there is, uh, there have been a few names floated around. Marcelo Bielsa has been floated around. I think he may have had to, may have already turned that one down, but there are a few other names on the list. Sean Deitch seems to be the hot favourite behind Bielsa. Ralph Hassenhutl being mentioned. What kind of manager do they need? I mean, Sam Allardyce has been off the scene for a little while, and he does have a reputation for getting teams out of a fix like this, doesn't he, Graham? He does, but was his last job not... Oh, I can't even remember. Was he at Crystal Palace after Everton? And that did that not maybe go so well? I can't even remember. That's terrible. But I feel like he had a had a, a job where it didn't go so well for for him, and he maybe relegated the team, and that ruined his, yeah. ruined his record. But you, you right. mentioned that the shortlist there to replace Lampard... All decent managers or good managers in their own right, but you also ask the question, what sort of manager do Everton need? They clearly don't know going off that shortlist because all of those names are very different from the other. So Bielsa is very different to Daesh. Hassenhutl, obviously a little bit of overlap with Bielsa, but not directly either. And then another name that's been mentioned is Wayne Rooney. And I don't know how he fits into the equation either. It seems like Bielsa was their first choice, and the reports around Bielsa and Everton's interest in him was very, very Marcelo Bielsa. So basically, he looked <laughs> at the Everton squad. He did a scouting report in the way only he can. I presume he handed over a 100-page dossier with some sort of PowerPoint presentation and video clips to go with it. As, Sent a as drone over as well to check things out, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. That was his drone over the Premier League match at the weekend, <laughs> uh, uh. just doing some research there for, for, for the job pitch. Uh, so he did a scouting report, reportedly, and then told him he had con- told Everton, excuse me, that they that he had concerns over them being able to play the way he wants, which isn't surprising to me because Bielsa's style it needs some serious time on the training pitch to get started. It needs some serious fitness, and Everton are looking to make an appointment mid-season, obviously, and I just don't see how their team quickly becomes a Bielsa team. So in a weird way, Everton might have dodged a bullet by Bielsa rejecting them. It might it might be better to make a more appo- appropriate appointment. Someone like Sean Dyche. I think Sean Dyche is a much better fit for that Everton team right now to come in and make an immediate impact. But then I'm reading reports just before we start recording. I think Miguel Delaney at The Independent saying that today is a key day for Bielsa. And while he has raised concerns with that squad... He hasn't said no yet, and it feels like the Mexico job is going to is not going to be his. He's he's been rejected for that job by the Me- the Mexican Federation board, so maybe it is going to be Bielsa after all. And I I kind of want to see it because the chaos will be intense. Hmm. If I'm an Everton fan though, even though Bielsa is an excellent manager, given their current circumstance in that team and that squad, 
I'm a little bit worried if Marcelo Bielsa is, is the manager for the second half of the season because at Leeds, where I wouldn't say that squad is, is necessarily worse, it probably is slightly lower quality than Everton's, but not drastically so, he'd been there for three years and they were sinking like a stone towards, rele- towards relegation. So I'm not convinced that Bielsa's the man to keep them up this season. And if, it depends how long term they look at this project as well, right, Graham? Because I've called it a project, I hate myself. But Sean Dyche is someone, should the worst happen, and they do go down, he's someone who would commit and get them back up or would certainly try to, right? Whereas some of the names on the list, I wouldn't see sticking around. Indeed. Yeah, you can, I can't imagine, for example, Hassan Hutel, who was already talking about retirement when he was at Southampton. I can't imagine really him sticking around for a championship season. Maybe Bielsa would, of course, he's been in the championship before, but yeah. I have kind of already already strongly advocated for Sean Dyche to get this job. I mentioned this um, earlier in the week on, on the show. I think he could be a good fit for Everton even beyond just firefighting this season. So I think he does a good job in, in that respect. When we talk about project managers, you use that word project there, and long-term appointments, we, we tend to think about modern, expansive teams with Everton, why can't they build around Sean Dyche? Everton fans, generally speaking, I'm, I'm generalising here, I know there'll be a difference in opinion within the same fan base, but generally they want to see their team run hard and give full commitment and fly into tackles, and, and Dyche is a good fit for that. So lean into your identity as a club. I mean, imagine Burnley, this is going to sound like an insult, but I actually mean it as, as it sounds quite tantalising to me. Imagine a, imagine a Burnley with all that they achieved in the Premier League under Dyche with five times the budget, with with three times the fan base, and with that new stadium to move into in a few years, that's what that's what Everton could be, and and I and I mean that as as a good thing. So Dyche is is certainly the the person that I would go for. All right, uh, let's turn our attention to the ownership and the sale issues. Then, shall we? Farah Mashiri uh, reportedly selling the club, as we mentioned the numbers earlier. It was uh, if you convert it, north of six hundred million dollars, um, and Obviously, the numbers also for the stadium um, are looking at $900 plus million if we convert it over. But as you say, Graham, um, building projects tend to run over time and over budget. So that one will probably go up as well. So there's some, some pretty high numbers involved here. Do we actually think he is selling the club? It, the reports did come out earlier in the week that he is, and he's made some denials um, uh, and he's not that he's not looking for any takeover offers at the moment. But that doesn't mean that that's the truth necessarily it doesn't seem like a good time to sell the club uh when Mm. it's when it's in the state it is at the moment but maybe he feels like he's hit the end of the rope with it as well so what are your thoughts on his actual intentions at the moment so in in classic everton fashion the the report that that emerged that mashiri is looking to sell Everton came at the same time, almost to the minute, that Everton released a YouTube video in which Moshiri denied that he was looking to sell the club. So it's, it's difficult to know what his true intention, intentions are at the moment. But I think Taylor did a good job of reading between the lines earlier this week when he said, Moshiri is likely opening the door to some sort of investment. He just doesn't know what kind of investment he's going to get or what the offers will be. It could be a full takeover. It could be someone who can partner with him since he lost Usmanov as as a partner, a partner, excuse me, last year. And and if he is looking to only sell a, a, a minority stake, that that would actually be nothing new because there there has been some discussions since last summer. There was discussions with a U.S. consortium called KAM Sports. Not terribly familiar 
with them, they were interested in making a potential investment. In the end, those discussions broke down and KAM Sports bought Panathinaikos in, in, in Greece in, uh, instead last month. So they're probably not going to be interested now. But The Athletic have reported that another group is quite close to agreeing some sort of minority investment deal and they were even shown around Everton Stadium and a new stadium site last month. So that could be quite close. It's not, it's not known who that group is. The Athletic report says they have another stake in another Premier League club. I couldn't work out who that is reading between the lines. In, in terms of why would he, why would Mashiri sell right now, I agree if you're an investor, there is a lot of risk with Everton at the moment, largely related to that new stadium that they're building at Bramley Moor Dock, which is a, is a huge investment that, that, mm. that they're, they're making, as you say, $900 million is the price for that stadium at the moment. And Everton in general are hemorrhaging cash right now. So not only have they spent £700 million on terrible, terrible transfers <laughs> over the last five years, their their losses as a club in recent years are getting worse year on year. So last year, their losses stood at £120 million. I was reading it's expected there will be similar losses this year as well. And as I say, this is at the same time that the club is spending $900 million on the construction of, of a new stadium. Um, Mashiri paid £87.5 million for his 50% share in the club in 2016. I couldn't find anywhere what he paid for Ismanov's share in, in the club last year, which brought his shareholding up to just over 90%. But I would hazard a guess that it doesn't make his outlay up to £500 million. So if he sells for, for that amount, he will come out of this whole thing with, with a profit because of the credit facility Everton has to spend around £100 million a season without any money from their owner. But of course, that is then being laden onto the, the debt pile. So I think Mashiri has probably just spotted an opportunity when he's lost his partner in Uzmanov to kind of prop things up together. He's on his own with this now. He's probably spotted an, an opportunity to get out at a time when Premier League clubs are commanding huge prices and when at this moment in time, he's not getting much out of the investment that he's made mm. so far. I don't know how much billionaires care about nasty tweets from fans or, or, or what have you, but... Put yourself in his shoes. He he has put in millions of pounds to this club. He's not really getting any enjoyment out of it. And this might be, as I say, this might be an opportunity for him to cash up, make a little bit of a profit and get yeah. out. I mean, the Premier League is over, over half the teams have American owners and investors. And it seems to me, Graham, like at that price point, let's say it's 500 million pounds, 620 million dollars, let's call it, for that to, to buy out Mashiri. That seems like a good investment when you look at what an American sports team would cost. When you look at what an MLS franchise is going for, $300 million buy-in at least for an MLS franchise should, should, should another one come up. And then you look at, you could get an Everton, Everton for that, who, yes, it's a risk at the moment, risk being with the stadium outlay and with relegation, but you'd have to think there are there's groundwork there for potential for a team that lets... Yeah. certainly feels it belongs in the Premier League. So if I'm an American investor, for example, that looks like a pretty tantalising price to me. I think when you compare it to, uh, as you say, MLS franchises, it looks like a great deal when you compare it to some of the deals there, certainly some of the American sports franchises and other sports and leagues as well. I did some benchmarking against two Premier League club sales that have happened in the last year. So Bournemouth went for £120 million earlier this season. So I guess it is possible to get a Premier League club at a lower price point. But I would caveat that with if anyone has been to the Vitality Stadium 
Uh, I actually have been to the Vitality Stadium, which is mm. weird because I've not been to many London stadiums. I don't know why I've been to this one on the South Coast. But it is, it is a small, it is a very small club, Bournemouth. It's, in terms of size, they're not really a Premier League stature club. Everton are much bigger. So that that is maybe about right, Everton being 500, Bournemouth being 120. The one that maybe look, makes Everton's asking price look slightly inflated is Newcastle United going for £305 million mm. last year to the to the, the Saudi Consortium. I would say Newcastle are maybe a bigger club than Everton. I mean, they're in the same sort of ballpark, but they've got a bigger stadium. They're, it's a, it's a one-team city, Newcastle. But nonetheless, I think there is a lot of upside. There is a risk to buying Everton at this moment in time. We've kind of covered that already. But this is a club that has a large fan base. I found a report that said outside the top six, Everton have the biggest fan base of any Premier League club besides Villa and Newcastle. So they're they're in, you know, they'd be in the top half of the Premier League for size of support. As I say, they're gonna have that new stadium in a couple years. They're in a they're in an attractive city, a lot of regeneration work happening in Liverpool at the moment, a lot of investment in Liverpool at the moment. So five hundred million pounds could still represent good value, especially if I was reading just the other day, the Premier League broadcast rights they're preparing them to go out for tender again and they're expecting all the streamers to pile in with offers there. So th- there could be another boom in terms of broadcast rights to the Premier League. So if you buy Everton now, there's a chance that in three years from now, they're actually worth £800 million and that already makes it look like a good investment. Yeah, maybe they'll be in line for that Super League when it comes round again too, Graham. Hmm? Fantastic stuff. Um, so what's uh, if you had to summarise, Graham, what's gone wrong for Mishiri? What... Miss oh mistakes boy. has he made? <laughs> I mean, for me, it seems fairly obvious it's been recruitment as a primary driver here. Poor player purchases. Uh, a large consistency of those players they brought in at great expense haven't worked out. And we're, we're looking here for a sixth permanent manager in five years for Everton. And that's related to the recruitment as well. So it seems to me it's been personnel and maybe being a bit rash in the transfer market and not really having a philosophy or strategy when it comes to recruitment that's been the the driving problem for him. Is that fair to say? Yeah, with regards to the team on the pitch, there's absolutely no denying that recruitment has been the biggest problem. They have spent an absolute fortune. Everton, I believe, only maybe four Premier League clubs, which would be City, United, Liverpool, Chelsea off the top of my head, have spent more in that similar time frame than than Everton in the transfer market. And if you just... Forest, yeah, potentially. Give Forrest another window and they'll be right at the top of the <laughs> top of the list. But I'm just looking through, doing this on the fly, but looking through Everton's transfers that they've made since Bashiri bought the club in 2016, this is an absolute mess. I'm, I'm struggling to pick out players that have been good value for money. So maybe Jordan Pickford's the only one I've, I've come across, £28 million. Pounds, you would say they've maybe got value for him. Richarlison was a good signing, but of course they've, they've sold him already. Beyond there, I mean, I'm looking through tens of players here over years. I am struggling badly. Ben Godfrey has decent potential. Yeah, struggling badly to pick some players out of out of there, and that's related to this this thing I talked about at the top of the show: lack of lack of strategy. And and Everton have appointed sporting directors. They've had Marcel Brands and Steve Walsh, and both those guys actually had loads of success at other clubs. You know, Marcel Brands at PSV, Steve Walsh, the guy. He's the guy that um, was at Leicester City, right? Who found Ingolo Kante. And, and Charlotte, and Charlotte. yeah. And I, I, I set you up for that one. That was the alley-oop. Um, so both these guys, Brands and, and Steve Walsh, have had success elsewhere. Now they've got Kevin Thirlwell, who I'm, I'm not as familiar with, but 
that's just in the last four years that Everton have had three sporting directors. So while they've they've given themselves whiplash, managerial whiplash, by going between so many different managers, they've, they've also given themselves sporting director whiplash, where the club just doesn't know what, what direction they're heading in. Mashiri doesn't know what he wants Everton to be and what that club stands for, and that is related to the recruitment, because if you don't know what type of team you're building on the pitch, how can you sign the right players for, for that team? And... and it just feels like Everton need to settle on a strategy. And even if one manager doesn't work out, they go and get someone else who fits that mould and then mm. recruitment will fall in line with that. I think there's some uh, there are some other issues with Everton as well that are maybe not related to the team on the pitch. So one thing that I've read about, and Mashiri addressed this in his interview that he gave earlier this week, um, is, the, is the size of the Everton board. It's the smallest club board in the Premier League. And this is probably why Everton have ended up with so much influence from Mashiri on stuff he probably shouldn't have influence on. There's barely anyone running that club. So this is another reason why a, min- a minority share sale might actually make a difference. Mashiri has spoken about bringing people in with expertise, not just on the football side, but on the commercial side and, and all other areas of the pitch. There needs to be an expansion of the club because it just feels like it's a little bit outdated and then then there's been a real lack of direct communication with the fans so bill kenwright is the club chairman he barely ever speaks or makes a public appearance and the thing about him was he was kept on after mashiri bought the club because the idea was that kenwright was the link to the community i have no idea what his purpose is now because he is not fulfilling that role certainly and this is a board that continues to hide away from its own fans there's no accountability as i say it's a very small board there's only maybe three or four people with any real power on that board and that's why everton fans have turned to protest that's why goodison park has become such a toxic environment Mm. and as i said earlier this week there's this notion that everton fans are somehow to blame for the way that the club is at the moment that they have made it a difficult place to be and that is just complete nonsense because what we're seeing as a response to the gross mismanagement at executive level Everton fans have no other medium to express their displeasure at what's happening so they protest at the ground so all these things are linked I think if you get the right board then maybe the recruitment improves I think if you get the right board then the communication with the fans improves and if you as I say if you get all those things right then results follow on the pitch but it just feels like there's not really an, an element of that club that is operating as it should at the moment so turning that around Graham is easier said than done though isn't it there was and, and I suppose my, my last question is this part of the show is what kind of owner would improve this? Is it a money man who just um, appoints a smart board, expands the board, brings in smart voices and keeps his nose out of things? Like last summer, there was a consortium led by uh, Peter Kenyon, formerly uh, chief exec at Chelsea and Manchester United. It feels like if they brought someone like him in and maybe some additional executives with a bit of nous to give some direction, because it's, it's all well and good saying, you know, a club needs a culture and a philosophy and a direction but it's actually quite hard to instill that as well at the same time. So what? where do they go from here, I suppose, is my question. I don't really know. And this is, this is the gamble you take when your club is changing ownership. There are other bad owners out there. And, and unfortunately, a lot of the time, the, the vulture, so to speak, the vulture circles the carcass. And we've seen that with clubs like Legion United and Rangers in the past where one bad owner follows another bad owner. And I'm not saying... Everton are at that stage yet there is a lot of upside still to anyone buying that club but a new owner would be a roll of the dice um I'd still say that that roll of the dice is is worth it just because Mashiri has been such a bad owner 
But I think for Everton, I saw I saw a report earlier this week, which has kind of been quashed. I don't think this is happening, but it suggested that Red Bull were were potentially looking at Everton. They they were interested in at least buying a stake in a Premier Premier League club. Of course, Red Bull have. Red Bull Salzburg, RB Leipzig, the New York Red Bulls, they have clubs all over the world and they're all united by, we were talking about club philosophy and listener questions this week. Mm. So the idea there would be Everton would become this aggressive, hard-running, quite direct team. And and for Everton and, and the identity of that club and what those fans want to see, I think that would actually be a good fit. I think you can look at what Leeds have done in that regard. And even when Leeds... You know, Leeds, I'd say that in terms of the quality of their squad, it's maybe not the best in the Premier League, but they do sign players that are that are um, specific, they've been targeted specifically for a, 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 a style of play that is unique to Leeds United in, in the Premier League. That's the sort of thing that, that Everton needs. And as you say, they just need to get an owner. I think they need an owner with a little bit of humility. Mashiri doesn't seem to have a great deal of that. Mm. He, despite denying this in that interview that I watched it's quite clear he's made a lot of the decisions. So it was his decision to get in Carlo Ancelotti, his decision to get in James Rodriguez and kind of try and turn Everton into, I don't know, like a, a light version of the Galacticos. And that just doesn't fit with Everton at all as as a club. They need an owner who's going to come in and, and go, right, I don't know everything. I don't know all that much about football, but I'm going to find someone who does know lots about football and give them autonomy to to build this club. That's essentially what Everton need from from a new owner. All right, let's take a break. Um, and when we come back, we'll look a bit more to the future. New ownerships, potential of this club, much more. Back shortly. Today's episode is brought to you by our old friends, Mac Weldon. Wouldn't it be nice if we could have things both ways, like a zero-calorie cheeseburger, internet ads in March that weren't just reminders to do your taxes, a dog that never needs walking after midnight when it's cold, a Manchester United that is consistently good instead of their current scattershot approach, Well, we tend to think of clothing as an either-or situation as well. People think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort. But it's possible to have it both ways. Mack Weldon makes timeless apparel with modern performance fabrics for guys who want to look and feel sharp without sacrificing comfort. From their light-as-air underwear to innovative anti-odor tees and versatile yet comfortable pants, Mack Weldon has a full range of clothes that never go out of style. I got a few things recently, including a long-sleeve polo, which I love, uh, maybe the most comfortable t-shirt, which I also love, and my new favorite sweatpants, the Ace sweatpant. It's exactly what I described above, comfort and versatile, but still stylish. It's the type of sweatpant I can wear to pick up my kids from daycare and not think, I'm now wearing sweatpants in public. The other parents will judge me. Now I just think, judge away, nerds, because you will never be this comfortable unless you're also wearing a pair, in which case, high five. Mack Weldon is not flashy. It's just classic, always in style, and made from the world's most comfortable performance materials. They're designed to fit both your style and the demands of modern life. So get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code TSS. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, promo code TSS to get 20% off your first order. Thank you to Mack Weldon for sponsoring today's episode. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Total Soccer Show, welcome back to the big thing. We've been talking before the break, Graham, about a potential new owner, what they would have to do. 
Does, is it is it predicated by the size of the investment? I I'm, I'm, I mean, it, it would be difficult for the Saudis to come back in or the Qataris to come back in having clubs elsewhere in the Premier League. But let's say Dubai wants a club. I don't believe the United Arab Emirates... I don't mean Dubai has an investment at the moment. So let's say they come in and spend billions on Everton. Does that automatically make them a top six, top four contender? Is there something more that needs to happen before that can hap- that process can take place? Oh, there's certainly more that, that needs to happen. So Mashiri is not a poor man himself. I know he doesn't have the wealth of a state, of a sovereign wealth fund. But as we mentioned a number of times, he spent £700 million on, on transfers, which I think is similar to what Liverpool have spent on transfers in that time. And Liverpool have won Premier League title, Champions League title. So just in... in and that alone, you can see the difference between the two clubs and the two ends of, of the spectrum. I think any if it, if it was a super rich owner, they still need to come in and do essentially what Newcastle have done. So one of the first appointments that Newcastle made was Dan Ashworth. They went and got the guy credited with building Brighton up and turning them into the into the club that they are. Everton need need something similar. Having said that, they have made appointments in the past, as we mentioned, Steve Walsh and Marcel Brands. Who both those guys had good reputations and and on the face of things on paper they should have been the guys to to build the club up in the same way that Dan Ashworth has with with Newcastle United. So even those things can go wrong. It just feels like Everton need a little bit of perseverance with what they're trying to build because they get distracted very easily. Where they go, oh, uh, you know, uh, Rafa Benitez isn't working right. Let's go and get Frank Lampard and mm-hmm. uh, Big Sam Allardyce isn't working. Marco Silva, bring this guy. I know the sporting director's not working. Bring in another guy. They need a little bit of perseverance, particularly with sporting directors, because sporting directors, their work, you can't really judge their work for, well, at the least, what, like two years down the road? I mean, even Dan Ashworth, we won't truly know how good a job he's doing until Newcastle United are challenging for the Premier League, because that's the, the sort of resources that, that, that they have. So certainly... Everton, even if they get super rich owners, there needs to be a lot more um, more measures taken to ensure that they don't fall into the same trap. It feels, Graham, like this could be the real turning point for the club when we look back with the fan unrest. This is going to be a point where the fans certainly remember either positive or negative progress happen. Let's look at it in Back to the Future terms. This is where the lightning strikes the DeLorean and we either go into alternate <laughs> 1985 where Everton go down uh, ironically, I, uh, Everton were quite good in 1985. Um, and where Everton go down to the championship and maybe even you know stay down there for a little while, or this is the inflection point where they push off and go mm. into a new stratosphere. It feels like this moment now is quite important that the right decisions are made. Basically, they need a an almanac. They need a sports almanac yeah. for the next couple of years. So if, if Biff could hand that over to Farhad Mashiri, that would that would be much appreciated by. Evertonians, I, I agree. This feels like a crossroads for them in their recent history. The Mashiri era has been a disaster, but I still believe something good of it can come if the new stadium is a success. And the other thing that's related to that is they're going to convert Goodison Park into this sort of community centre, so they're not leaving that, that community entirely. I really like that idea, so that's another thing that could just strengthen those that, that bond with, with the local community in Liverpool. Mashiri himself has called it, quote, an existential time for Everton, which is not really what you want to hear from <laughs> your owner. And But in a sense, I, I guess I applaud his his honesty in, 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 in some way. The next year is going to be decisive for Everton. On their current trajectory, they will be in the championship a year from now. Um, had nothing changed, had Lampard stayed on, 
and had Mashiri not said he might sell, or I know he didn't say that, but that's what the reports say, I'd be pretty certain they're going to get relegated from the Premier League this season. I think they've they've been, along with Southampton, the worst team in the league this season. Getting rid of Lampard has given them a chance, although it definitely depends on who they get in to replace him. Mm. I don't think Mashiri selling, even if it happens very quickly, will have any impact on this season, although I guess it could lift the, the mood around Goodison Park and that could feasibly make a difference. In the immediate term, Everton just need to stay in the Premier League. I, I would be really worried for them if they go down to the Championship with the way they're losing so much money and they have that stadium project happening. Not having Premier League revenue coming into that club, I think, I, I don't want to scaremonger, but it, it could be disastrous on a, on a sort of Leeds United scale from when that happened to them, when they went down the leagues. Leeds went down to League One, right? They went down they another did. league. So... Again, not trying to scaremonger, not saying that's going to happen to Everton, but I'd, I'd be fearful for their future if they, they went down to the Championship. On, on, a, on a brighter note, on a, on, a, on a more positive note, I am quite confident Everton will be in a better place five years from now, even if that means they've gone down to the Championship for a season or two. I just think that new stadium, I keep coming back to that new stadium, but it's going to make such a big difference to the finances of, of the club. So Goodison Park right now is one of the most revenue-poor venues in the Premier League, meaning... Everton taken less in the way of gate receipts than than most clubs in the division and certainly less than many of their rivals if you're considering their rivals to be clubs like Liverpool and Spurs and all the all the big six clubs the 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 difficulty is in getting to the point of that stadium opening while keeping things ab- above the water if you excuse the dock pun but but 5 years from now there I'm confident that there will have been a recovery of sorts i just think everton need to get through this pretty difficult period in their history right now well let's hope they're not out at sea uh, in 5 years to extend the hey. pun uh, a little further but if we get uh, i mean you mentioned that you feel like everton are going to go down at this rate but you know with new manager bounce game let's say a new manager comes in hopefully not before we've uh, put out this recording to outdate it a little bit but with three points, they could potentially go up to 14th. A couple of wins, and suddenly the picture looks very different. Indeed, and I'm just trying to get the Premier League table up here so I can have a look, because it is very congested down there. So they're, so there's they're only... all 15. They're all 15. So if they get three points and uh, all the other results fall their way, they could go as high as 14th, potentially. Or th- th- 15th, uh, potentially. Yeah, the only issue with that is when I look at the teams around them in the table, so I would maybe write off... At this point, Southampton and Bournemouth, I think they're a good bet to get relegated at the moment. But if I look at the teams above Everton and who who might they surpass, I think Lopetegui is going to improve Wolves. I think there's already been a new manager bounce for them. West Ham, I kind of feel like they've had their their nadir of, of this season. I think they're probably going to have a better second half of the season. Leeds, you'd maybe be a little bit worried for Leeds, but... Do I have more faith in Marsh and that squad at this moment in time than managerless Everton? Yeah, I probably do. Nottingham Forest seem to be getting things together as well. And then Leicester City, I just think, frankly, have a more talented squad than than Everton do. And and, and Brendan Rodgers, not my favourite character or person, but he has a decent <laughs> coach nonetheless. So I get your point. It is congested down there. One or two wins makes a big difference and could get them out of trouble. But just looking at the teams around them, I'm still concerned for Everton. Indeed, concern all around. But Everton, as we've been saying on this show, now is the time for action. We, uh, the lightning has hit the DeLorean, guys. We need to uh, know which direction we are headed in. Graham, excellent big thing discussion. Thank you very much. If you had, to, if you had um, twenty bucks right now, would you put it on Everton to go down there? Without a manager, yes. If Daish gets, if it's Daishy, 
and they bring in the bag of worms and he's the new manager, <laughs> and then I say they'll stay up. But I'm not convinced it is going to be Sean Dyche, even though that seems like the obvious candidate. It seems like they're going pretty far down this Bielsa road. Imagine how much negotiating power Sean Dyche has right now. Probably more than he's ever had in his life. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I found out about Sean Dyche today? He's from Kettering, which is in the south of England, right? Never before has there a southerner seemed in every facet of their being more like a northerner than Sean Dyche. Doesn't he have a north accent? Yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, well, everything. He's been, in, he's been in Burnley for too long. Yeah, clearly, everything above London is the north. Uh, don't forget that, Graham. of course. But anyway, more less uh, UK centric references. More thanking Graham Rutherford for his part in the big thing. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you, Ryan Bailey. And maybe one day we will do one of these big things, not about a club in crisis or being sold. It seems like there's a lot of clubs being sold at, at the moment. It's just a trend at, at right now. So yeah. maybe we'll cover something with a, a different sort of complexion in the coming weeks. Let's hope so, Graham. Trouble is with the news, they tend not to report. Things are going great here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I am aware of this <laughs> This podcast becoming a bit miserable. This particular episode, this show becoming a, a little bit miserable. So yeah, might need to find a positive news story quite soon all right yeah we're gonna uh, do a big thing about puppies next week tune in for that one sure. listener Why not? <laughs> but for now thank you very much for joining us on this one patreon.com slash total soccer show if you would like to continue the conversation with us but for now bye, bye.